Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Saints in Society. Uh, this week I am the host. My name is Brad, and I am here with the one and only Rick, the Holy Terror Reeves. Oh man, <laughs> as our guest. <laughs> Today, we're continuing a series we started a few weeks ago called Stop Being Weird. We did Stop Being Weird Part 1, where we talked about confession and how Christians uh, don't need to pretend to be people they're not because we have a secure identity in Christ. And we're going to continue that conversation, but with a little bit of a different topic and talk about uh, sensitivity, being easily offended, and getting defensive over things that we are passionate about and ultimately things that we uh, find our identity in. And so, uh, Thankful that you're with us today as we jump into this conversation. You are listening to Saints in Society, a podcast focusing on equipping saints to live in and engage with their society. As we dive into the word and with help from experts in their field, we seek to learn how to engage culture in its terms, but not on them. We believe the gospel speaks to all of life and provides the answers we are all looking for. So we aim to equip saints with the tools necessary to apply the gospel to all areas of life, living as saints in society. Brad, my question is this, what's your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve? Talking Mm -hmm. during movies. Like if other people are talking during, during movies. That's it. That's probably, that's that, I hate that. In the theater or in a house, when people like plop down halfway through the movie and start asking you, why'd this happen? What's that? And they haven't watched the whole thing. What face or name came to mind when you think of people who do that? I reserve the right to not give that <laughs> disclosure information. Um, you gotta plead. One time in a movie theater, I was with some friends and these kids were next to us talking during a movie. It was the movie's a quiet or the quiet place, a quiet place. The whole movie is silent and the suspense is like silence. And these kids were talking the whole time, ruining the whole thing. And my friend leans over and he's, he's probably more like your personality. He's like, Hey, are you going to talk the whole time? And they were like, uh, Maybe, and then they didn't say another word. We were up until this point right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate those kind of people. But what's your biggest pet peeve? Long fingernails on men. Oh, nice. I've been growing mine out for this moment. (laughs) Don't think I haven't noticed those already. (laughs) I always wonder. I've known that about you for a long time. And whenever I forget to trim, I'm like, I wonder if Rick's going to (laughs) notice. But, you know. You're sitting on your hands. Yeah. Like (laughs) right now or in your office all day, anytime I walk in. No, it's not just long fingernails on men. It's long fingernails that have dirt under them. Mm. And then like if they're like pointing to stuff on a paper, I can't focus on anything that they're talking about all i can see this is the dirty fingernails it's just staph infection growing <laughs> underneath <Yuck>. those dirty <laughs> fingernails <laughs> yeah there you go did you have a bad experience or is this just you've always I don't, when when i was little my dad was always really good about keeping my fingernails trimmed up oh, and short so <laughs> so i just became super self-righteous yeah. <laughs> yeah. super self-righteous so, yeah. yeah super self-righteous yeah. about having yeah. short fingernails yeah and your the tips of your fingers are constantly bleeding because yeah. you're trimming <laughs> that's right <laughs> cool all right well that was a uh, that was good to know so now you know around us don't grow your fingernails out and don't talk during movies um okay today we're talking about how Christians don't have to be weird, part two. Stop being weird, part two. This time, the first time was on confession and 
not having to pretend to be people or not. And this time we're talking about sensitivity and not being easily offended as Christians. So Rick, where would you want to kick things off? Yeah, I think as we dive into this subject, it's something that I'm passionate about in our culture right now. And and part of it is that I believe specifically in the Pacific Northwest, but also just in the West in general, it seems like there's such a heightened sensitivity and people are so easily offended by everything. And I think that the people who should be the least offended people, the people who should be the least defensive people are the people that are Christians because they have a core identity about them that they were given by grace. It's the one thing about them that will never change for eternity, that they are unshakable. That identity as a child of God is is with them forever. You didn't earn it. You're not maintaining it. It's all been given to you by a free gift of God's grace. Not just that, but the God who has made you his child also dotes over you, sings praises over you, delights over you, as Zephaniah 317 says. So literally, the God of the universe gives you this core primary identity that you didn't have to earn, that you're not maintaining to keep. And then he sings delights and praises and rejoices over you. I think that makes us the most secure people. And we should be the hardest people to offend or the people that get so easily defensive. Mm -hmm. So super common in our world and even in the church to be offended and to get very defensive. What do you think is at the root of that? What's the source of that uh, defensiveness? Yeah. So speaking to Christians right now, that I believe Christians get so easily offended and there's a heightened sensitivity because in the moment that we are oftentimes offended, I believe our core identity, our unshakable identity as a child of God hidden in Christ, that becomes secondary or not primary in our lives. And then we, I mean, we could title this whole podcast, Stop Being Weird Part Two as Identity Crisis, because Mm -hmm. I think what all this stems from is our defensiveness and our easily, just being easily offended is from an identity crisis of I'm making something else primary besides me being a child of God. And so the reason why you talk to some people and you talk to them about politics and they get all up in arms or they get heated and, and, and they just get mad is because in that moment, oftentimes they're choosing to operate out of their primary mode as, as a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian. And so that's what they're making their primary core identity, call that an identity crisis. And therefore, it's really difficult to engage, have conversations with them. And so we, we start to personalize everything. It's like, hey, Brad. I think Target is overrated and I think In-N-Out sucks. And then, yeah, how could you say something like that? As though you have some deep personal, I don't know, investment in building that whole organization out or uh, i feel like my wife's had a big part in the, yeah. the funding of that yeah <laughs> it's, as, it's as if like that is like woven into the fabric of your being for people to make statements like that and, and i think all that is coming from our, our culture has an identity crisis mm-hmm. and we're seeing that at large like people have an identity crisis about all different things like what their sexuality is and, and, and everything and i think that's seeping into the church and we are taking other things in culture and making those things our primary identity instead of operating out of our core identity as a child of God. And what happens is that heightened sensitivity that you can't say anything to someone about this or like, I should be able to tell you that I think like if, if you push um, some sort of ideology, I should be able to say, Brad, I think that's stupid. 
and then you and <clears throat> without you being like whoa like man rick or i should i just should be able to say like brad i think that yeah that 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 idea is dumb you know again i'm not calling you dumb that idea probably wasn't even original to you you didn't even come up with it in the first place it's something that's been pushed by everyone else but like that thought is not core to who brad is that 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 idea is not at the very core and being that is who brad Leibolt is it, it's it's an idea that you have and mm -hmm. i think we should be able to talk through those things in a rational intellectual way ultimately being grounded on scripture as christians and we should be able to say stuff like that have those kind of those types of conversations yeah but i think there's an identity crisis that's going on not just in our culture but i think what's happening in the culture is seeping into the church mm. do you agree with me oh yeah yeah i think uh we should be able to confront one another's ideas or ideal ideologies because those ideas and ideologies are not us like there's a yeah. there's a separation between who i am and what i think um about a certain a particular topic and if someone is confronting or challenging what i think that doesn't mean they're challenging or confronting me but what's happened so often in our culture and i think in the church as well as we identify like you're saying with the things we think these ideas that we have these positions we hold whatever it might be and so then an attack on that is an attack on me as a person mm -hmm. so then i get defensive i'm offended and we can't even have a logical rational conversation about what we should be able to talk about because I'm offended and you've hurt me, you're judging me, you know, those kinds of words get thrown around a lot because I think you're attacking me when you're not. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Way to basically say everything I said better and, you, and to <laughs> shorten it up. I really appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, since you just stole the show, let me go ahead and quote something that, uh, so the author of Confronting Christianity, Rebecca McLaughlin, I think says this so well. She says, uh, attempting to persuade others to change their beliefs is a sign of respect. You are treating them as thinking agents with the ability to decide what they believe, not just products of their cultural environment. She also says this, such directness would not fly in most relationships. We are more governed by our feelings than our rationality, and emotions run high in debates around beliefs. But disagreement is not evidence of disrespect. Indeed, I debate hardest with people I respect the most because I take their ideas seriously. But our society seems to be losing the art of debate within friendships, and we instead surround ourselves with people who think like us. She, she also goes on to say something like, I don't have to respect your ideas. Mm. And in fact, she, in a sense, she's like, that, that's dumb. <laughs> like, I just have to respect you. But again, what you're saying is, is we've connected all of our thoughts and all of our ideas to who we are. It, it's, and, and we see this, like, we can go very simple and very practical. Like, if someone cooks a dinner and you say, they're like, what did you think of the dinner? And you're like, I didn't really like it. At the core of their being, are they a cook? Are they the, a person who's provided a meal? And is that something that should devastate them? I would say no, but it is whenever our identity is so wrapped mm -hmm. in like what people think of me or what people think of my cooking or the same thing. Like you take a photograph because you're a photographer and someone's like, I don't really like the, um, you know, photograph. Like, is that something that wrecks us to our core? It might if our core identity is completely shaken and that identity is that we are our job, we are our career, we are our success. It's the same thing. You know this. People come to church. People come to our church. People leave our church because they don't like the preaching. 
I do the majority of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People come to our church and they leave our church because they don't like the worship culture. At my core, I'm not a pastor or a preacher. I'm a child. And so, yes, it stings a little, but it's ultimately not like I'm, I'm, I'm under the impressions. It's like, there's like, it's like Baskin Robbins. There's 31 flavors out there. I'm not the flavor for you. So be it like, like that doesn't sh shake me to my core, mm. uh, nor I think Ian, who's our worship director, I don't know that it would shake him to his core that someone doesn't like his worship style it's because we have yeah. a greater identity. And we're not stuck in this identity limbo or identity crisis. Right. Yeah. Um, I think also what happens in the church is we might not, uh, we get worried about, or we hear people get worried about maybe they're not offended, but what if that offends other people? You know, mm -hmm. we, we have, we've, we have all these like offended warriors or sensitivity warriors yeah. that are like, this might offend this person or that person. We have to be sensitive. You all bringing that. this up is going to be offensive. Just so you know. Well, I'm going to turn it, the, <laughs> turn it over to you now okay. so that you, they can shift their offensiveness towards yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so even people that are viewing themselves almost as like advocates or something like that, mm -hmm. since when is the greatest goal given to us as Christians to not offend people? It doesn't seem like that was Jesus's aim. Like Jesus offended a lot of people. He mm -hmm. turned culture upside down. I mean, he offended the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, he, he said very offensive things. It didn't seem like Jesus's main aim and goal on this earth was to make sure that everything he said was PC. Right. And so our main aim and goal as Christians is to proclaim the gospel and to see a world transformed into people that have a an identity that is unshakable, that that takes them from identity limbo or crisis into something that is secure to know that they're reconciled by God, loved by God, and, and this is the truest thing about them. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think the main aim and goal, though, though society's made it that. And, and just to be frank, I think that is a societal push that is very religious at its core. Mm. Because what it's saying is this, if you adopt all of our language, and if you adopt all PC language and you talk like this and do all this, then the world is going to be a better place. The world is not going to be a better place without people having a new and transformed heart. I mean, on the other side, that's like saying if everyone stops drinking alcohol, if everyone stops watching rated R movies, if everyone stops mm -hmm. using swear words, the world will be a better place. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. If people don't have a new heart, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I don't think those are the things. I think that is a ideological position that says, if we all talk like this and use proper pronouns and say everything that is like very like sweet and PC, then the world would be a, a better place. There's an old Presbyterian minister named Donald, Donald Barnhouse. And, and he says this, he says, if Satan took over Philadelphia, all the bars would be closed, pornography banished, and pristine streets would be filled with tidy pedestrians who smiled at each other. There would be no swearing. The children would say, yes, sir, and no, ma'am. And the churches would be filled every Sunday where Christ is never preached. I think that's the same thing. I think it's, I think it's a religious push to, to say, like, let's make all of these external changes without actually, like, addressing what's going on in the mm -hmm. heart. And there is no guarantee that that is actually going to make the world a better place. I do think we need to be kind, loving, respectful. I think there's scriptural grounds for all that. But our main aim and goal is not to just go through life, not offend. The gospel is offensive. Hey, yeah. Brad, you're a sinner and, and you are dead in your sin. You're an enemy of God. You're hostile in your thinking. You're futile in your thinking too. Mm -hmm. And you need to be saved and transformed. And you can't do this. You're, you are completely incapable. 
So you're going to need God's grace to save you. You are going to need all of the work of Jesus Christ to be transferred to you and all of your deadness and sin transferred to him. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to need to be raised as a new creation. And, and you can't do any of this. That's, a, that's an offensive message. No. And that's the message that Christians are called to go forward with. Also, Jesus gave us the Great Commission. He said, right? In Matthew 28, he said, go forth in all the world and make sure you never offend anyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the Greek. (laughs) Yeah. He said, go forth in all the world and make disciples. Mm -hmm. You make disciples by preaching and proclaiming the gospel. And so I think that's been a heightened thing. And the reason I feel like it's religious at its core is anytime you have a culture that feels fear-based. Let's use Mars Hill because we did a podcast on Mm -hmm. that. Everyone likes to just bag on it because it it was, it was, it was awful, horrendous. But what it was is a fear-based culture. If you say this wrong, or if you don't say this right, you're, you're going to get thrown underneath the bus, right? Mm -hmm. What is our culture right now? You're tiptoeing around on eggshells saying, if you don't say this, or you don't say, so there's this immense amount of like fear that like, I have to say everything right. And if I don't say it right, I'm going to get blasted. And Mm -hmm. so there's just fear culture. And you will always be exhausted if you go through life on eggshells, on your just kind of tiptoeing around stuff. There's no freedom in that. The gospel provides freedom for us to have honest dialogue, debate, and even display, I think, to the world what it looks like for Christians to argue and debate and dialogue well, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. On that note, I think there's a, there's like a missional aspect to this where, you know, the, the, the church is to be a city set on a hill, like a light to the world. And Ultimately, that comes through the gospel, but there's things about the church and Christian community that should look drastically different than the world around them, which are attractive to draw Mm -hmm. people in. And I think this is one of them. I think it's counterintuitive. It it might seem counterintuitive at first, and the church could be viewed um, as hard-headed or bigoted or all these different things if they're not, you know, bending to like the the PC – uh, like cultural pressure, but I do think this is attractive when you can agree to disagree and have conflict and not be so easily offended. Yeah. So speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Well, you just did. <laughs> <laughs> say more about it. <laughs> yeah. So I think what I would say about that is we are called and, and, and Christ lays it out. He says, by this, the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the ways that we can grow in loving one another is even modeling what conflict looks like, looks like inside of the church to the world, because our world doesn't know how to disagree right now. They don't know how to manage conflict or engage in disagreements. And so I think if the outside world could look in and see Christians doing this in a rational way that is not just purely emotional, well, you said this and my emotions are the dividing line in this conversation, but you've said this. Let's see how we can support that scripturally. Let's see how we can support that rationally. And, and again, I, I oftentimes think that we should explore a little bit more on why something was offensive to someone. Like, mm. hey, that, that was offensive. Okay, hey, I'm sorry I've offended you. Can I ask why? Why was that offensive? And what you might actually find out is because it was true. Well, scripture says, I, I believe it's John 8. I want to say 828. I might be butchering that. But the truth will set you free. 32, 832. 8, 8, that the truth will set you free. And so sometimes saying the truth is just going to be offensive because it's not what we want to hear and it's pressing up against the lifestyle that we want to live. But that doesn't mean we back away from the truth. I say, I, I think we share the truth in a very gracious, loving, and respectful way. 
But I think as we're doing that with one another and the, and the outside world, the secular world sees us challenging one another and exhorting and encouraging one another, I think it becomes attractive to be like, man, I actually long for that. I long to have honest conversations. I long mm -hmm. to have debate. I, I long to have disagreement, but I, I can't do that. And I think the church should be modeling how to do that. I, I think we, I do. I really believe this. I think the church needs to push back a little bit on this. Make sure you say this right, or don't offend anyone or do anything here. Why? You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to have to wrestle with why, because I think sometimes the answer to that is, is not even rooted in, well, because we want to glorify and honor God. It's well, because we want to make sure we're appeasing man. Yeah. It, it's like the thing that we should be offended by. And you don't oftentimes hear that is, does this glorify and honor God? Like that was what David was offended with, with the Philistines you know, and, and, and with Goliath, he's like, this guy's defiling the armies of the living God. Mm -hmm. Like his, his passion was God's glory. I don't see a lot of Christians getting offended about God's glory being in jeopardy or truth not being told or, right. you know, and so I would love to see more of that. But, mm -hmm. but I do think that we're, we're going to have to set the tone here and we're going to have to push back against it. And, and I think for, for a little bit, like kind of what you're saying is it might feel harder, might feel weird or might feel awkward or might feel like this. But I think we've swung so far in this other direction of like, don't say this, make sure you say this, say it this way, don't say it this way. Man, it's like daunting to live underneath a microscope like that, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. This week's local business spotlight is Moss Hair Studio. As childhood friends, Jesse and Renee stayed in touch. They went to beauty school together and also worked at several salons together. After starting their own families, they decided to start their own salon together. Their vision is to provide a hip yet comfortable atmosphere for clients to come and experience each of Renee and Jesse's expertise in hairstyling. At Moss Hair Studio, they strive to be a place that would be missed if they were gone. This is achieved by the love they have for their clients as well as the neighboring businesses. What sets Moss Hair Studio apart is that they've all been together since 2010. They are all well-established hairstylists and they also enjoy working beside each other. I've been going to Moss Hair Studio for the past six years what I love about Moss Hair Studio is that the stylists, especially Jesse and Renee, are really good at what they do. Jesse is well known in not only Oregon, but worldwide for what he does in hairstyling. And they also have a nail technician, Jamie, who is great. We highly encourage you to check out Moss Hair Studio. And if you do, let them know that you heard about it on the podcast. One of the things that the, I think the church and pastors and Christians have to be okay with is people not liking what we say. Like, if you think about it, the way, when Jesus preached the gospel, when he taught people scripture, mm -hmm. oftentimes throughout the gospels, there's mention of like some stuck around and became his disciples. Some stuck around or like, yeah, we need to hear more. And then a lot of people left um, and they left because they didn't like what they were hearing. And Jesus wasn't afraid to confront people with hard, challenging truth, knowing that some people were not going to receive it. And so that point you made about man's approval, there, there's even like a fear of man aspect. When Jesus sends out the disciples in Matthew 10 and he tells them to go, he says, don't fear man, but fear God who, you know, don't fear man who can destroy the body only, but fear God who can destroy body and soul in yes. hell. And so there's 
in our missional living to bring the good news of the gospel to the world, we have to be more afraid of or have more fear of awe of reverence for God than man's opinion, approval, or even their defamation, 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 or or destruction of our reputation or something like that. Yes. Um, Yeah. And, and I do think there, there's going to be a lot of freedom in that. So this is a very practical example. This last night, uh, I was putting my oldest to bed and one of the things I do is give them a back massage. And so I was, I was rubbing her head and she, she goes, sometimes you, you do it too soft. And, and so I was like, you want, you want dad to do it hard? She's like, yeah. She's like, I was really nervous to say that. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I was like, hey, you never have to be nervous to tell dad that. And so there's a freedom hmm. for her just to say something. If there's a culture provided of grace to where it's like, I, I, you know, I could have been like, well, <laughs> you're done. You're done. Dad's core identity is how good I give nightly massages yeah. or, or these massages. It's yeah. like, it's not. So I can receive cons- some constructive criticism. I can receive some feedback. There's, there's, there's freedom to have conversations like that with people who have a core identity that is secure, that is founded on and in Christ mm-hmm. that, that absolutely can't be shaken. So with that, Brad, you can give me a critique and you can give me a compliment. I don't have to attach either of those to me and make those things the most true and profound thing about me because mm-hmm. there's something that already is. So instead I can leave those out in front of me. I can, I can hear them. I can receive them. I can say thank you, but they don't become me. And I think mm-hmm. we take people's constructive criticism or critique and we take even the compliments and we attach those to ourselves and we make that who we are. And it's like, no, yeah. that's not who I am. I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the living God. So, yeah. Um, Let's bring this like down to the ground and be pastoral here. What specific identities do you see people in the church uh, gravitating towards or or adopting that cause them to be easily offended, overly sensitive and defensive? Like what are the specific things that you see Christians identifying with other than other than Christ that is leading to this kind of stuff in the church. Yeah. How about I give a few and then you give a few? That's not how this works. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So where is their identity being placed in that is making their ground so shaky that mm-hmm. they're, and let me say this to be pastoral too, <laughs> is it's okay to be stung and, oh, yeah. and it's okay to have yeah. our feelings hurt. So that's not what we're saying either. It's like, like we need you to be robots or something. Yeah. And, thick skin. yeah. yeah. Uh, because I do think that uh, expressing hurt or expressing frustration on something, uh, I, I think what, what we're trying to get at is, is if you say, Rick, you have small calves, true statement, but I can't do anything about that, Brad, you know? Rick, oh, you so have, you're, it's a genetics guy. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rick, you have a bald spot on the back of your head. I'm like, true, Brad. And so it's not like, these are things that I can't do something about, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I think you've mentioned that before. It's like, yeah, I don't necessarily have control over these issues. We're talking about all these other things in life that people, even driving, like someone like gets mad at your driving. It's like at your core. <laughs> It, you is your road driver? rage <laughs> yeah. rooted in the yeah. fact that like you or people should respect that you are a NASCAR yeah. driver, you know? Yeah. It, well, on that, in the kind of culture of freedom that we're talking about, we should also be able to say, hey, what you said hurt, you know, mm-hmm. like we don't ignore the feelings of hurt and like sting. We actually have a freedom to express that. And that's part of the conversation of challenging one another's ideas is like, oh man, that actually kind of stings, but we can talk about that as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and talk about the sting. Mm-hmm. 
I was going to name a NASCAR driver. But yeah. I don't even know one because I think NASCAR <laughs> sucks too. Ooh. Yeah. And it, it, so this is a offensive <laughs> podcast. <laughs> even I said that because I'm like, man, NASCAR is boring. Like, you know, I recently told my father-in-law who loves to watch Masters golf. I'm like, that is as close to <laughs> hell as I can get on this side of eternity. You know, yeah. I've told Zach Schaefer, who, who's I think does great for being someone who's young and in our culture. And he's on the other side of this booth right now, not getting offended, but I'm like, I think baseball's boring or baseball stupid or something like that. It's like Zach's core thing about him. is not like, yeah. again, ro rooted in like baseball to where it's like, I think he can just be like, why do you think it's stupid? And then I'm like, well, now it's actually put on me that I need, I, I need yeah. to have a rational decision of why I think it's stupid, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and so, yeah, I think there's a lot of freedom with that. Yeah. Identity crisis. So, yep. so back to your thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, the way that I typically spot these things is by calling them like no fly zones. Okay. Like these are the areas that we can't fly near mm -hmm. or else you're, you're going to get in hot water with people. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, and so let's talk about them, I guess, inside of the church. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Then I would say body image. Okay. And like, there's a sensitivity to like not being able to like say or address uh, health or things like that with people because our identity is so wrapped up in our body image. And, and not just that, I think that points to something. It points to a deeper issue of like, it's probably man's approval or man's rejection is something I couldn't live without. And mm -hmm. so I think it's maybe something like that, but like you, you don't typically, we live in a culture that is incredibly unhealthy, that doesn't take health and nutrition or even sleep and a lot of those things very seriously and so like is that something you go up and address to someone uh you know I, <laughs> you even seem a little nervous talking about yeah, it right yeah, yeah i'm like oh you know so 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 i would say that's definitely one like yeah we, we I, I think we should be able to go up and be like hey are you taking care of your health you know mm -hmm. i've done that to, uh, to to a person once and they were definitely offended you know mm -hmm. and like i wasn't trying to be mean i was just right. it, it was it seemed very apparent you know yeah. Uh, I'm not saying everyone needs to like have this like rock star level of fitness. It just needs, I think there are conversations that we need to be able to have. Yeah. I think parenting, of course, like our, we find our identity in our kids or in our parenting so much so that it becomes a difficult conversation to have with people. I think that's a big one. Mm -hmm. I think another big one is finances. It, it, it's like, man, you can touch on a lot of subjects with people, but don't talk to me about my finances. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a level of identity crisis there. What are some that you were thinking? Uh, I was going to say money as well. Um, and both sides, like there's, there's worship of money that can come from poverty, mm -hmm. but also worship of money that can come from plenty or, you know, like having a lot of it. And yeah. so that can be a no fly zone either way. Um, theology um, and not like core doctrine. Like, yeah, that's like a we, good should, one. we shouldn't be arguing about the Trinity, mm -hmm. <laughs> but in times like i've known people who've left churches because of a different end times view you know which anyone who i think is wise would say this is what i think is going to happen but we can't really know you mm -hmm. know anyone who's like i have revelation down mm -hmm. is like you know yeah so so i think there's some theological things um also like ministry philosophy you you mentioned earlier people leave the church over preaching or worship style like I guess there's a time for that if if there's maybe heretical preaching or yeah like I, I can see that but also I think we are we get so caught up in the way church should be done so maybe you're like 
are really big into mega churches are really big into house churches. And it's like, don't even talk to me about what church should be because I have the right way. Mm-hmm. I know what it's supposed to be. I have some more. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Go for it. COVID, mask, vaccines, all of those things should be conversations we should be able to have and work through. Yeah. Again, so, someone could say, I think the way that you're handling or not handling this is, is, wrong or dumb or stupid or whatever it, we're so offended even by the stupid word which proverbs 12 uses the word stupid and so but you know I, I don't think it makes any rational sense to drive around in your car by yourself with like two masks on it, can i say that and have a conversation about with someone why they do that and i would i would love to because then what i might find out is they just actually rented this car picked it out from someone that was in a questionable position and stuff but it's like sure. if by saying those things and starting those things we could even have a conversation to see like oh this is why someone's doing mm-hmm. this or this is why someone's not doing this or like hey i think rick you're being irresponsible here then great like let's talk through that and so right. i think that's been a big one that's been yeah. revealed in the past couple of years politics yeah. is another one yeah. so yeah yeah politics it's easy to think about that being one that comes up outside of the church but man in the last few years in the church, it's yeah, just become so politicized and um, you can't have conversations without someone getting offended because they've been, we, we get so wrapped up in a person, a party, a policy. And uh, yeah, so that's a big one. Yeah. I like what you said about theology because even amongst our elders, we have different positions on eschatology, you know, and uh, Ronnie, who's one of my close friends and dear brothers, he's, he's post-millennial, you know, and I am an all-millennial and I don't think there's much scriptural support for his position. And, and, and he could battle me and say, I, you know, I don't see how you can even support this. And I think those are conversations that actually by us having them, and even if they're heated or passionate is we can sharpen one another through that mm-hmm. and, and we can challenge one another. And then we we're actually pushed back to go, do we know what we're talking about? And we have to think through these things more critically. So I think all of this is going to, the word disciple means student. It means learner. I think doing this puts us in a position to actually grow as a student and as a learner. Mm -hmm. Again, another quote, this one's from Douglas Murray that I love is he says, disagreement is not oppression. Like Mm -hmm. we got to hear that. Disagreement is not oppression. Argument is not assault. Words, even provocative or repugnant ones are not violence. The answer to speech we do not like is more speech. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what we need to do. Yeah. I could bring it down to even more of a ground level of like, how do we, how do we pastor an identity crisis? Sure. Would you like to hear that, Brad? I would now. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I think if we can start to ask questions again, we don't need to rush in and start, you know, trying to think all these ideas are stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Create fight words or say that's stupid or that's dumb. I've I've heard Rick say stupid or dumb or garbage or NASCAR sucks. And so I'm going to lead with all that language. (laughs) I'm just saying, especially in relationships and in our Christian communities with our brothers and sisters, I think there's a freedom to talk like we would with our families. Hmm. Like if you think of like, I don't have to sit around at my family table and like worry about, can I say this or can we say this? There's just a lot of freedom. And I Mm -hmm. think I want that freedom. Hmm. I think, if we start to ask questions about where things are coming from, I think what we'll find out is the reason we're so easily offended and sensitive is because we long for man's approval. Mm. We long for man's acceptance and we long for what man has to say about us. And so what we do is we elevate man's opinion of us over God's declaration over us of God's declaration is you are holy, righteous, a saint, pure, set apart, a chosen, a co-heir, like your royalty. Mm. 
what we do is we make man's opinion of us the first and primary thing. And we want that. We want man to say really good things about us because we want their approval. And underneath all that is we don't want to be rejected. We want to be accepted. And, and what we'll start to realize is actually when we stand up for difficult things or we lose people's approval, it's only then do you actually go, whoa, the only approval that is actually going to satisfy me is God's approval mm -hmm. and his acceptance and what he's declared over me. Those facts, not man's opinions. And I, and, and I think that's when, when, whenever a sting happens or things hurt, it's only in those moments do we go, oh yeah, we, we could even say like, God, thank you for something that hurts or for these words that hurt. It's not that I'm thankful for them in this weird sadistic way, but I'm thankful that they remind me of this, that I have your ultimate words that are declared over my life, that I have your approval that's ultimately going to satisfy me. And I think these things lead us to go, the, the acceptance that we need the approval that we need or the security that we need that will never be abandoned and never be rejected. We will never have on this side of eternity with men like Brad. The, the, the truth is you could do something at, to, to me at some point that's so offensive that I abandon you or I walk away from you. Or I reject you. The one security that we have is we're not going to lose our identity in Christ and he's never going to leave us or mm -hmm. forsake us or abandon us. And I think when that becomes primary, central, the core thing, I believe it produces a lot of freedom to have these conversations, but to also not be so easily offended. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Just as a reminder, we have an identity in Christ that can't be tampered with, it can't be messed with, it can't be removed. And again, whenever we hear words that hurt, they can ultimately remind us of, of Christ's words that have the ability and the power to heal. And if you're looking maybe for a good resource on this subject of like man's approval or anything like this. I think When God is Small and People Are Big by Ed Welch is a great book. So that's one resource. I don't know if you'd have any other resources. Oh, that's the one I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Great. Well, thanks for the conversation, Rick. Uh, I think it's helpful, beneficial to us as individual Christians, but also the, the Christian community and churches at large. Uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in to Saints in Society. Uh, if you ever have any questions or ideas for a podcast, uh, things you would like to hear us talk about, uh, you can email us. The information to contact us is always in the, the show notes on the episode. And so we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you would like to hear. Um, until next time.